Hey, today we're going to be looking at um, second week of what's in a story. And I like it because I think that this is how we communicate. I mean, storytelling is what we do. Whether you realize it or not, we are, we are storytellers. We think about at the end of the weekend, or when, tomorrow, say when you get to work tomorrow morning, before work begins, Jeff, this isn't for us, but for other people, before work begins for the first five hours, you just sit there and talk about your weekend. How many understand that? All right, hey, I saw the stupidest cat video. Here, let me show you real quick. There, there's stories. We're just talking about our weekend. We're, we're sharing, hey, this is what went on, you know, um, whatever it may, good or bad. This is how we communicate about life is I share stories with you. You share your stories with me. So when we're looking at storytelling, it's just part of life. I mean, that is just kind of how we communicate. So I love that Jesus took, I got to remove this real quick. The song list for them there. Or I'm going to trip over it. How do you trip over paper? I don't know. I do it, though. <laughs> um, Jesus took what was basic and what was simple and just said, hey, this is what I'm going to use. This is your everyday life, work, whatever it is. I'm going to use this, but I'm going to put a spiritual truth into that so that you can understand it. Um, it's, it's just parables. That's what it's called. Rick, Rick said last week that it was earthly stories um, with a heavenly meaning. I like that. I look at it and I'm going, sometimes when we get into some of these parables or Bible stories, I just go to sleep, though. Um, you don't, but sometimes I do. It, I start using terms that I can't even relate to. They're talking about these people that are not even from, I mean, I don't even understand who are they or whatever. And it's just like, well, it didn't really relate to me. Time to shut down. Anybody shut down if it doesn't immediately relate to you? You already shut it down right now. Hey, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, we do. We just we kind of check out for just a moment. Um, and so Jesus, what he did, he just wrapped these stories into truth for them and um, into something they would understand. We listen to them and we're like, dude, I, I don't even understand. What the heck? How do we apply that to today? So sometimes we just check out and we lose that there is a real message in there that really applies to us that Christ was talking to, to human beings that have not changed over all these years. The, the time and the culture, we're not in the Middle East. The Middle East culture is a little bit different than America. So even when they tell some of the stories, we don't get the full impact because we're, we're, we just don't comprehend it. So we look at this and, and we lose out sometimes because there is a spiritual truth behind these, and they're not for yesterday. They're for today. We just kind of have to wrestle with them to try to comprehend, well, what's a dude saying today? I, I want to give you two definitions of um, kind of the, the two guys we're going to be looking at today. If you have been in church, you've heard these guys all the time. Um, but one is a Pharisee and one is a tax collector. So maybe nothing new for you, but maybe, maybe this is something new for you. The, the Pharisee dude was like the religious dude. In the Old Testament, back in the, the beginning of the Bible, God gave them these, like, hey, these are the laws. You want to connect with me? This is how you do it. These guys, like, kept this law going. Kind of in between testaments and stuff like this, everything's going crazy. And um, there was a group of people that were like, hey, you know something? That's cool that, that you guys did that. We want to take the culture that's around us and we want to add to that. We want to bring in the culture around us. Uh, they would be more of the, like the liberal people. We'll keep some of this, but some of it doesn't even relate to us anymore. Let's just get rid of some of it. We'll bring in some of the culture. 
these guys called the Pharisees were like, dude, what are you smoking, man? You can't do that. No, we're going to keep this for real. This is, this is what, they were guardians of what was true. They were guardians of this Jewish faith. So they, they began these different sects of who was who was the, the real preserver of the truth? And these guys were like the guardians of truth. They brought, we, we kind of make fun of them sometimes um, because Jesus gave them a hard time. If Jesus gave them a hard time, we feel like, hey, we can do that too. Um, Jesus always gave them a hard time. In reality, they really rocked because they took something that could have been totally dissolved by the time the New Testament was written. They took the traditions and the laws of God and they preserved them and they fought for them and they cultivated them and they kept them going over to here. But something within them changed with kind of who they were. Because they were the preservers of the law, they were like, basically, I mean, it's all about us. I mean, God was lucky to have people like us around here. People would look at them and go, whoa, we are lucky to have them. They know the word. I mean, they teach us. That, oh, man, whatever they do is right and holy. That was people's view of them. The tax collector now, how many like to give up your money? When you say taxes even today, some of you feel pain. If you've never worked before and then you get your first paycheck, you're like, who's FICO? What is that? Why are they getting some of my money? I don't even understand. What the heck is that? There's something about taxes that just irritate us. This story was written when Rome had come into this, this land and they had taken over it. But instead of like kicking all the people out or just enslaving them, they said, you know what? Keep, keep your land, keep your traditions, keep going like you're doing. Just pay through the nose on everything. We're going to tax you on everything. If we don't like the way you look, we're taxing. If you have an ugly mother, we're taxing you. It doesn't matter. We're taxing you. This is what it was. They just taxed and taxed and taxed. That's what they did. The people that were really hated, though, beyond the Roman guys, were these people called tax collectors because they were Jewish people that would go around collecting money from their own people to give to Rome. But they wouldn't do just enough, like, hey, this is what Rome requires, $25, thank you, we appreciate it. They, they had to, like, pimp out their camel, so they needed more money. They had to do all, little Johnny needed braces, so they would buy, hey, I need some more money. They kept on getting more money and more money from their own people. They're, they're working for this corrupt government, and then they are asking more money from you than what you could ever... How many understand why people hated them? Anybody feel that pain of going, oh, they were despised. I mean, out of all these stories, these are one of the groups that people just hated. I mean, they hated them. So when you look at this, you've got to understand the polar extremes. You have these holy people that are like, oh, we are where we are because of these Pharisees. They brought us the law. They, they kept it. They preserved. They have fought for family and decency. And you had these other people that were indecent. All they cared about was themselves, and they were on this other extreme. This is where Jesus steps into the middle of this culture that understood these two people, and he begins to tell this story, Luke 18. He said, he also told this parable, check this out, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. I don't know your picture of Jesus, um, there's something within me that has always been rebellious. Um, it's just, even though I'm saved, there's part of me that is just rebellious. And I love that. Um, I apologize 
if you're offended by that. But there, there's something about Jesus that was rebellious in this. He didn't just go with the culture. He, he stood up against stuff. And I love this. It, this, instead of just like pulling the disciples, hey, let me pull it. Come on over here, man. There's a group of people over here, and they think that they are pretty self-righteous. They, he didn't do that. He stood right in the middle of these self-righteous jerks and was like, let me tell you a story. I love that, man. This is, this is like an in-your-face thing. And that is this, this Jesus that I don't think we comprehend. And I love that about him. Not this meek, mild thing, but in your face. Let me tell you this story about this. So he says this. Two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithe on all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I love that story right there. To me, this is is huge because we get lost in almost the same culture that they get lost in. So many years ago, they were lost in a culture that believed, hey, you perform the religious stuff, you do the religious duties, you do, and that justifies you. And God is going, dude, way to go, man. High five you. That is great. And Jesus came in to these self-righteous people and said, let me tell you a story. The self-righteous guy that you know did everything right, that looked really good, that you were really impressed by, man, he left and he wasn't even justified. But the guy that you reject, he humbled himself and I accept him. You don't comprehend the significance of that story being where we are. Where they were in culture, that would have been outlandish. I mean, like, what in the world are you talking about? The idea is that humility has that much power. The humbleness of the heart has that much power in our lives. So we're going to look at that today just a little bit of going, what, what, did, he, what did he mean by all this stuff? Um, I love the, this is just kind of my biblical humility. It's kind of my definition of it. It is um, resting in who God is and what God does instead of resting in who I am and what I do. It it really depends on how you were raised, um, maybe, but I believe that in the culture that we live in and just being human, there's part of us that works our entire life to prove that I am worthy of love, I'm worthy of acceptance, that I can do this, that I am holy, that I... There's something that begins to take over within us, and I want you to know that I am, I am good, that I'm holy. I'm what a, it's just innate, I believe, it, it, whether it is a, a sinful desire. There's something within us that, that does this. And this is, this is just looking at it going, you know something? It's not about me proving how good I am, but it's just about resting in who God is and what God does. It's not about trying to earn his favor it's going, I just trust that he is passionate about me. So when we look at this, this is humility. 
It is not meek, quiet weakness of little value. It is resting in God instead of myself. Because this is kind of like a heart condition. I think it's a lot harder to see. Whenever, whenever I sin, whenever I lust, I know I lusted. Whenever I steal something, I know I stole it. Whenever I run somebody off the road and uh, maybe I'm angry, uh, maybe that happened, um, I know that I was a jerk. Plus, my wife is yelling at me right next to me. What in the world? Anybody had that before? No, nobody can relate. Nobody can relate to that. Awesome. There's sins that we have that we just know. You know what I mean? That I know I did that. I, I realize I did that. There's something about this humility and this spiritual self-righteousness that can sneak into us as Christians that we're not even aware of. We just get into the habit of doing this. We just, we just go through all this stuff. And we believe that we're moving kind of from here, you know, I'm getting holier, I'm getting holier, to over here and we're doing good. That we can be so reliant upon ourselves and our actions that we don't really even need Christ anymore. I mean, I'm doing pretty good. I remember when we first got married, and I think I shared this before, but I remember uh, my wife wanting um, communion served at our wedding. I'm like, cool, yeah, I'm all for that. But what she wanted to do was have this bottle of wine. It wasn't even wine. It was like Kroger grape juice up here. <laughs> wanted that up there. And I'm like looking at her, and I go, shun the very appearance of evil, woman. That's how I talked back then. That was it. I was good at being a Pharisee. We're not going to let people think that we're, we're partaking in wa- what. What? I don't even understand. What kind of woman am I marrying? I don't even understand this. We had met at Bible college. I was a professor. No. <laughs> no. I was like, what in the world? I, I don't even We're, we're not going to do that. And yet, behind the scenes, man, I was so deep into pornography that it was crazy. But up in the front, I wanted you to make sure that you knew that I was, and I'm holy. <laughs> I went to Bible college. Man, I've been serving God all my life. I don't drink wine like you do, people. And yet the reality is that there was something going on behind the scenes that was a lot more important to God than what was in front of the scenes. And I think that sometimes we get lost in that self-righteousness. We get lost in looking good. And somewhere we have to look at this story and go, God, use this simple little story to work on my heart. Because along this journey as a Christian, we can begin to perform instead of being broken for God. Anybody realize that? It's just a reality. It's not because you intend to do it. It's not because you're, you're like some religious jerk. It just happens. I, I, I'm doing good. I'm not struggling anymore. Man, now I'm a Sunday school teacher. Well, well now they've asked me to do this. And there's just something that I, 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 I'm pretty good. And then you see the messes come into church and you're like, man, I am really good. Look at this. This is where that Pharisee was. So we look at it and go, I understand that we don't really relate to that, but the heart has not changed. We still wrestle with this heart that wants to make us look good. So looking at, looking at this Pharisee, I want us just to kind of check this out real quick. Signs of self-righteousness are um, spiritual arrogance. 
I think one of them is, and I'm only doing two of them today, one of them is they love to brag about their spiritual disciplines. They love to, to tell you that they are holy or they are involved in this or that. How many have ever, let me ask this, how do you know if a person is like a, a gym rat, they work out all the time, how do you know that? Someone tell me. Yeah. They wear, I like that. They, they wear small shirts and they tell you. <laughs> I, I like that. It, 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 you don't have to be around them like five minutes. And they're telling you, oh, I'm a little sore. And you're like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, I was at the gym benching yesterday. Uh, oh, that's cool. We're watching a movie. What, I don't even, what are you talking about, man? Oh, I just wanted you to know, I was reaching for that remote, and oh, man, I, what in the world? And I understand it, I understand it, but it, it's a pride thing, that, that's pride. If you ever found somebody that, like, they, they have to eat a special diet, or they're on a diet, or whatever, five minutes into whatever you're going to do, hey, you invite them somewhere, maybe even, no, hey, I can't eat that stuff, that's poison. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't do that. I'd, I'd like to go that route, but, you know, I got a, a protein. I'm going to the gym then. And then you're like, what in the world? There's just this bragging. And I, I told the first service, I really understand it because, believe it or not, I, I actually worked out at one time. And, like, when I first got married, this is me, man. I, I watched the video. I'm coming down the aisle because I was huge then. I was huge, I'm telling you. And I just wait for my bride. I watch that video now, and I'm like, what in the world am I doing? Oh, my gosh. Skinny guys, let me tell you, just putting your arms like a mushroom, it doesn't help you. I thought it did, but then I watched that video. I still look skinny. So I, un I understand the pride thing. I, un I really do. I understand that. But when it comes to walking this life out with Christ, it's not about my pride that is supposed to drive me. My pride doesn't do anything but poison me. And yet somewhere along the way, I forget that. And I begin to, I begin to be pretty confident in my spiritual routine that I'm working out in, or I begin to become pretty confident in what I'm feeding this spiritual guy, and I begin to brag about it. And I look at this guy, and I mean, he was excited about what he was doing, and he was willing to tell everybody. And I think that's a, that's a huge sign that there's something going on in our heart. There's something going on in our heart, because we're wanting some, some glory that should be glory to God. Does that make sense? Three people awake. I appreciate you three. You guys are good, man. That's a good. I look at it as um, really like a, a badge of honor sometimes that we get. And then once we achieve the spiritualness, we're able to then detect that other people aren't as spiritual as we are. Anybody? Anybody? Don't say anything. No. There's something about the spiritual pride that, that gives me this desire to begin to be better than you and tell you why, um, why you're not living up to it. And that leads me to the, the second one is this, is that then we begin to view the world in an us and them. It is an us and them. 
I want you to, to think about for everyone, there is a group. I don't care who you are. Maybe you look at yourself and you're like, I don't really have a prejudice. I, I, racial or whatever. There is something within you that we can land on that triggers this them. That's them. I was working a while back and ran into a situation where that this person lived totally, totally different than what I could ever imagine. And I was Snapchatting, sending this stuff to my wife, going, oh, my goodness. And um, it just, it just, it was so different to me that I couldn't, couldn't comprehend it. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me right there. And this is how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. It's maybe different for you. But it was just like, hey, stupid, stop it. And I'm like, what? And like, I just, I, I really felt that he, he was just saying, you don't, you don't know their story. You don't know what I'm doing in their story. Who are you to judge their story? And I'm just like, oh man, I just felt crushed. I'm like, what an idiot I am, man. I can't even believe that. There is something within us that wants to be better than somebody else sometimes. There is some reason that, that is within us that whenever you form a them group, that group we're allowed to make fun of. We're allowed to judge. We're allowed to stay away from because we could be contaminated. Instead of being drawn to them with a broken heart of Christ... We are repelled because they don't meet up to our standards. It's time to do a heart check when that begins to happen. I looked at that and I'm like, what, what an arrogant jerk. If you don't have somebody in your life that can just tell you, hey, you're kind of an arrogant jerk. You need to find that friend. Maybe I could be that friend for you. I don't, I don't know. Um, we need people like that in our lives, but we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to be looking at some of this stuff, too, and going, is, are, are those patterns that are in my life, am I making people a them group where I don't reach out to them? Am I, am I uh, making sure that I don't, I'm not seen with them, I don't socialize with them? There's something about it that in our religiosity goes, uh, you don't want to be seen with them, and yet Christ was judged over and over and going, why are you hanging with those people? And he would do like, hey, you know something? I didn't come here for those that think they are self-righteous. I came here for the sick. So why don't you get out of my face? That's what I interpret it. You know how we all interpret things? That's how I interpret that. I'm like, he came here for the sick. Good, because I'm sick. I, 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 want, I want you to think I'm pretty good, but the reality is, man, I'm broken. So I look at this, and we've got to be doing some heart checks along the way, and those are two major ones that whenever we look at them, I, I hope that they, they kind of challenge us on that. Um, the tax collector dude, I like this, and um, verse 13 says this, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I love the description there. He didn't even, like, lift up his eyes. He was, like, separated from people. I remember coming into this place. We had had a, we called it a heathen July. We'd been in ministry 21 years, never been without church. July hit, 
and we decided we're just going to the beach every day. That's what we're doing. Every, and it was the most horrible weather. We were freezing on the beach. Ah, but we're here. Ah. Um, I remember coming into this church and sitting like in the back row. And we would come in late, and then we would leave early. And we'd try to not make eye contact. And we'd almost like just be shattered as worship was going on and just... What in the world are we doing here? Man, this is just crazy. Have you ever felt just so out of place, in a place? That's what this, is, this guy is feeling. When, when it's given this description of this guy, it's not that he was comfortable where he was at. He was so uncomfortable. And he is just then laying it all before the Lord. He's just being real here. I love the sign of humility is this, I really believe. And again, I'm just going to give you two quick ones. Sign of humility, more concerned with connecting to God than impressing others. This guy was so uncomfortable. This guy was in a place that was not his, his place, and yet he was pouring everything out to God. Could you imagine what God could do through our lives if we got rid of the fear of people, if we got rid of trying to impress people, if we got rid of just worrying about what others thought and we just were like, God, whatever you want, I'm going to do. This guy was making a fool out of himself. In fact, the other dude was looking at him going, I'm glad I'm not like that idiot over there. And God was saying, this dude was justified. This guy connected with me. The other guy, I mean, maybe he impressed you. He didn't impress me. This guy was justified. There is this... Um, being willing to sacrifice whoever you are so that you can get a hold of God that is just amazing. Galatians um, 1.10 says this, and this is Paul speaking. For I am, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I think it's so easy to get lost in this somewhere along the way. Humility is not about worrying about what anybody else thinks. And we, we make it sound so easy, like, it's so easy not to worry about what anybody else thinks. It's, it's hard. But to serve God, not because somebody else wants you to, not because your mom guilt you into it, not because you're coming to the church that your family came to, but throwing everything to the side and going, you know what? I'm serving God because I want to. Not out of guilt. There is a passion that begins to ignite in you that you will never know till you free yourself of that. The duty of religion just doesn't get it. There's a passion that you're missing out on. Humbleness, I think, um, for us, how do we do this kind of in church? I think we'd be a lifelong learner on stuff. When somebody says, hey, we're opening up to Hezekiah, and you're like, I didn't even know that was, a, is that in the Bible? And when you go looking through the Bible, and you're not like, where is it? Luckily, now digital, you can kind of Hezekiah, okay, an H, I can look that up, kind of, you know. Don't be embarrassed about what you don't know. This is not a showmanship about, hey, who knows the most here? Who's most aware of our culture? It's not, it is about, there is a living God that wants to connect with you. Don't allow anything to get in the way of that. Don't worry about asking questions. Come up to me or Rick and go, you know, hey, what you said, or Chris, whoever, what you taught, I didn't understand that. What are you talking about, man? That's okay. The idea is not to be impressed, but to grow in God, to grow in understanding. I think that if we're humble, we will know that we're going to have struggles, we're going to have failures, we're going to have doubts. 
We're going to need people to help us. That's just a reality. Humility puts me in a position that I'm not going to walk away from God because of those things. I'm not, uh, if you've ever messed up, if you've ever failed, if you've ever gone through family struggles or whatever, this becomes the smallest community in the world. And you feel like if you walk through that door that they know everything that is going, in your, going on in your life. So this is the last place you ever, in fact, it's the whole reason why you go looking for another church somewhere. But you're still a mess. And that's okay. It's not about not being a mess. It is about coming to a place and going, God, you're bigger than my mess. This isn't about me impressing you. So when we come in here, it's going, I, whether I've got to be a learner or whether I've got to be real with my struggles and my failures, that this is the place that I can do it. And God, I want to be humble enough to allow that to happen. How many know that that's really hard to be real with your struggles? Anybody? It is really hard to come into this place after your family has struggled. Or it, it, it becomes such a small community. And yet, this is the place that you should be able to find love, acceptance, and just somebody that will, will give you a hug. Sometimes that's what you need. You just need somebody to, I don't need more advice. I think I told you this when I first came. I knew scripture. I didn't want to hear your scripture about church or, hey, hey don't worry. God's going to be faithful to you. I don't want to hear your little slogans. I don't want to hear your next little scripture. All I want to do is feel that you're there with me. Uh, listen to me whine. Listen to me be angry for a moment. And let the Holy Spirit just do the work that he's doing. Because even in your anger, even in your hurt, the Holy Spirit is doing something to bring life back into you. I think it's awesome. Last thing on, on that particular one is that if we're humble, we will love people that other people reject. Jesus associated with people that got him judged. I, I think we, we will do that. People may look down on us. It's just a reality of we've got to reach out to people. Last thing is this. There's a brokenness that this dude had. There is a brokenness. There was just a realness. When he says this, it says, But the, the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. There is this humility that is going on that embraces this brokenness. I mean, this guy literally is just doing this. God, I am the sinner, man. I am sorry. I don't even know what I'm doing in this freaking place. I am sorry, but have mercy on me. I mean, this is what he's doing. There is so much passion involved in this. There is so much realness that this is rewarded from Christ. I love that. That it's not pretending that everything is good. It is the brokenness. Don't get away from the brokenness. Allow the, the, the sins and stuff like that, allow God to deal with them. Um, I look at this, and I just say, if, if we want God to be real, we have to be real with God. Um, 1 Timothy 1, 15 says this. This is Paul saying this. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. I want you to comprehend, wake up for just a moment to comprehend who this dude was that wrote most of our New Testament. This dude, Paul, was a terrorist. We look at him and go, spiritual hero, I'd love to be like him. Yeah, this dude was a terrorist. Do you understand that? We look at ISIS and we go, hey, somebody go, hey, can we, let, let's pray for ISIS. And I'm going, are you crazy? I mean, these guys are in, what? And yet, 
this ISIS dude basically wrote most of our New Testament. I want that to sink in. Uh, because you're judging yourself and you're condemning yourself and you're not realizing the God that you serve. You're judging others and you're condemning others and you're not realizing the God that loves them. This dude came from being a freaking terrorist to being a man of God that we are going through his words as he writes them going, how do I become like that now? How do I do that? It's not about how awesome Paul was and his past didn't keep him back. It was there is this God that is huge. When we talk about story, that's what I want you to remember is that we all share the same story. For some reason, maybe we, we get lost in, uh, you know, my family's been here forever or, you know, I founded whatever. The Bible says that we were lost. And I'm just going to read these real quick. Romans 3, 23 says this, For everyone is, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet God, with, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. Everyone in here, we have the same story. I don't know what your real past is. It doesn't matter if you grew up in, in church or not. It doesn't matter how messed up you are today. It's the same story. We were Away from God because of our sins. That's it. Everyone has sinned. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Once you were dead because of your disobedience. We were separated from God. We were dead in our sins. It doesn't matter if you feel alive because you come to church. It doesn't matter if you feel alive because you do all the religious stuff. In sin, we are dead. Does that make sense? We're dead. There's a separation. And it says this. It used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful desires. Um, but God is so rich in his mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. And check this out. You didn't start by being good. God is not interested in you because you stopped drinking or you stopped smoking or you stopped sleeping around. God was interested to you in you in the middle of your mess. Let me re-say that one more time. God was interested in you in the middle of your mess. Not when you ended your mess. Does that make sense? It, it, it's not like, hey, we reveal this message. Now that you're trying, let me tell you about God. You're, you seem to be good. You're doing a good effort. Before you even were concerned, Christ laid down his life for you. And he did it because there's a God that thinks you are amazing and he loves you. Last verse is this, Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, for by believing in your heart, that you are made right with God, and by confessing with your mouth, you are saved. 13 says this, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is our story. This is everyone's story. I don't know where you're at in that story, but this is our story. There is a God that loves us. 
Now, if you're living in guilt and condemnation, I just want to challenge you that you don't know how much this God loves you. You're not just tolerated. You're not just put up with. God isn't just, I forgive your sins, but don't talk to me or don't make eye contact with me, okay? Stop that. This God loves you and wants to spend the rest of your life revealing his love to you. Don't live in judgment and condemnation or you'll never understand the full love of God. Paul was this ex-terrorist dude. And he even says, I was the worst of sinners. And yet in his prayer for us, he says, man, that you could experience God. Not just know about him, but that you could experience God. That's my prayer for you. He experienced God beyond just a knowledge of understanding. He just led him into his life. I'm not sure where you are in this story, but I know you're somewhere in the story. Uh, maybe you haven't even started with this whole, hey, let's, let's ask Christ to, to walk with me and to lead me in my life. The Bible says if you call upon him, you will be saved. It's that simple. Maybe you already have been in here and you find out today, man, I'm living more of a religious life than a real life. Maybe you're just in a mess today. I'm not sure where you are. It doesn't matter. Our stories are the same. It's not about us straightening out our lives. It's about us humbling our lives and bowing before a God and going, dude, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'd like to impress you, but I can't. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And then God said through Jesus' story right there, this dude walked away justified. Boom. That easy. It's nothing about me. It's all about what he did. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are awesome. I thank you that you love us and that you fight through all the junk that's around us to get to know us and to reveal your love to us. Let nothing this week stop your spirit from moving on us. I pray that the voice of the Holy Spirit would be in the back of our mind and hearts. Lord, that you would be challenging us to call upon you and Lord, I thank you for what you want to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen.